Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. much for joining us today. Um, I've got Josie with me. Uh, we don't have Amy with us today. It's just Josie and myself. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Tiff. Not a problem. Uh, did you just want to start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and who is in your family? Yeah, of course. So I'm 31. Um, my partner and I, Chris, uh, my partner have been together for five and a half years. Uh, Chris is 41. Um, we have four dogs together um, mm-hmm. and they're so cute. Um, <laughs> I've got bipolar disorder type 2 with severe anxiety and now PTSD from all of um, the trials and errors that is IVF. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's been affecting me a lot with our fertility journey because of the whole like freak out guilt is it bipolar or is this an average reaction um so that's been quite a roller coaster um but Mm -hmm. that's our little fam now did you just want to start us off and tell us about your fertility story and the treatments you've had so far yeah sure so we had our ivf um our first appointment three years ago on our anniversary um Mm -hmm. we thought we would try iui firstly um, obviously it's cheaper and it's less invasive um, so we tried that uh, our because we're in a, a queer relationship we had to get a sperm donor yeah so we discussed if we would use a known donor or if we would use um, an anonymous and we did go through the pros and cons of each um, and it was actually quite funny because Chris and I were on holidays probably around six months before our appointment we were out getting ice cream on the sunny coast and one of my best friends who became our sperm donor um we always had this pact that he would be our donor like my donor regardless of who i was mm-hmm. with um and he out of the blue he's overseas and he messaged and said remember um you know if you and chris want a baby i would love to be your donor and it oh, was wow. just yeah this like oh shit like that's crazy we're so connected like that we were just yeah. talking about IVF as we're sitting there eating our ice cream and he messages um so it was just yeah really really crazy timing um and then I spoke to Chris about Ruben um Ruben was living in Guatemala on top of a volcano working at a bar um wow. when we were talking <laughs> so in my head obviously it's what I wanted but realistically I was thinking how the fuck are we going to get him off the volcano the logistics yeah and to Brisbane like it's not real life but um between Ruben and myself we're a little bit extra um and he was already flying back for his twin sister's wedding so we lined it up then that he would we would organize him to fly from Adelaide to Brisbane um so to help donate with us um 
we, while he was here, I had to, well, no, while he was on the volcano uh, with <laughs> bad internet and no printer or obviously anything but tequila, yeah. um, I had to try organise yeah. all of his sexual health appointments, all of his blood tests, his doctor's appointments. I had to find doctors in Adelaide. Um, I had to like organise absolutely everything. So when he got back, it was all done because he couldn't do it. Um, yeah. And then I had to organise his flights and then organise the appointments in Brisbane. So I was doing that and then I was organising my own appointments and it was just super, super stressful and overwhelming as your first yeah. time with IVF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, just added an extra layer of fun. Um, so while Ruben was here, he was here for one week um, and I milked him like a fucking Jersey cow. Um, <laughs> he, he's so funny. So he would wake up and have an alarm on his phone every morning reminding him not to wank that morning. <laughs> <laughs> Typical gay man. Um, and then I would wake up and he'd be like, are you ready yet? Because I'm so ready. I'm like, yes, go. Um, and then ironically he would wank in what would be the nursery um, and then Chris <laughs> would get the cup and and use the syringe um, yep. on me. Uh, then we went to the IVF clinic and said, you know, this is our donor. These are his test results. He's fine. We'll do the sperm test and everything um, mm-hmm. while we're here in the middle of trying. Um, they pulled a, a Swifty on us and they got him to donate there and then at the clinic. Um, okay. But knowing you have to go without a wank for like two days before donating um, it was mm-hmm. pretty stressful because I was like, he's empty, guys. I've milked him. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, and then they were like, no, 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 it should be fine. Uh, and we only got, I think, two or three vials then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we spent like $600 on him to donate absolutely pretty much nothing. Um, yeah. So that was really upsetting. Um, but we just, yeah, we had a blast. Uh came home and kept trying I think we tried like 10 times in a week um just kept going and going and going it was a lot yeah oh my god it really built up the friendship just knowing what he was doing next door and then he would chat as I had my legs up in the air against the wall and it was just such a time it was so Ruben and I's relationship it was so ridiculous and hilarious and connected it was yeah it was perfect (laughs) yeah um amazing yeah so we tried to IUIs with Ruben's sperm at the first clinic we went to um they were both negative as was trying at home nothing worked um and then we tried going to a different clinic that was a bulk billing one um at this stage as well, I knew I had a, a much more egg count in comparison to other people of my age at, I think, mm-hmm. say 28, 29 when I first did it. Um, so then we decided, okay, let's try IVF elsewhere. Uh, this bulk billing clinic don't actually accept known donors um, yeah. unless they're your partner. And we, I did try to say that Ruben was my partner, but he's so gay. Like, <laughs> It just wouldn't have worked. <laughs> like, it's just outrageous. We would have looked mm-hmm. like, oh, the nurses would have been thinking, oh, sweetheart, you don't know. 
just not. <laughs> you poor <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we decided not to. And it was just too hard getting him back and forth from Brisbane or um, from Adelaide to Brisbane or Guatemala. So um, mm-hmm. we made the really, really hard decision of using an unknown donor. Um, yeah. It was really hard, like, because Ruben and I had planned this for, like, seven or eight years, maybe longer, that he was always going to be our donor. So I had my heart set on that. Um, just like a lot of other people, I guess, have their heart set on their partner being the one that the sperm's used um so I had to come to terms with it's not going to be Reuben's sperm it's going to be an anonymous so that was like it's kind of a grieving process um yeah to acknowledge that something that I had set and I had planned and had looked forward to and and yeah it's just it was taken away from us that that right was taken away because it's not covered by Medicare so Mm -hmm. Uh, we picked an anonymous donor out of the USB. We put them all up on the TV and it was like <laughs> a giant game of Tinder. Um, yeah. It was just really, uh, I don't know, I didn't like it. I felt really judgmental and then I, mm-hmm. it was just really overwhelming trying to pick a donor because it, it's such a personal thing and then you're picking the donor that's going to have like your child's going to have their qualities or aren't they like nature versus nurture and it, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. mind fuck. For sure. Um, so we tried with one donor. We tried twice. First time was with uh, my egg mm-hmm. um, at egg retrieval. I just went in um, into the office and did it. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. go under at the hospital or anything because I thought I've got this. I, I've got tattoos. Like what? what Pain. <laughs> um, I sucked that green whistle dry. They had to take it off me because I was abusing it. Um, oh. It was so good. <laughs> and I felt nothing at the time. So I was like, this is the best. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we only got five eggs out of me and two embryos or one. One embryo came out, sorry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty hard because... I was pretty naive, like, you know, I've been in same-sex relationships for such a long time that I thought there's nothing, like, I don't have infertility, I just haven't tried. Yeah, I think too you're always led to believe that the emphasis is on not getting pregnant, any education. I know. And so you think, oh, it must be really, really easy to just get pregnant. My my best friend, uh, Phoenix, she works. Um, for an abortion clinic, like the yep. the hotline thing for it, and yep, she'll yep. kill me for saying the wrong thing. But anyway, um, <laughs> she's like, everyone's pregnant. And I'm like, no, no one's pregnant. No. <laughs> on my social media and in my world, no one yeah. gets pregnant. In her yep. world, everyone, everyone is falling pregnant. Yep. It just blows my mind. Like, how does someone accidentally have a baby? How do you get that timing so fucking mm-hmm. perfect? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it just blows my mind. So, yeah, tried with my embryo, um, with the second donor, so the unknown one didn't work. So we had that loss, and then we tried with an un um a known donor egg donation, um, mm-hmm. and that didn't work as well with the same donor. Um. Yeah. 
this clinic as well, you can only buy two vials of sperm. So that was okay. it for us. We had used that donor up and we had no no donor left and no embryos, mm-hmm. um, which, again, you're grieving. Like it's every single stage. It's something more to grieve. And I feel like it just kept getting harder and harder um, as time went on. It just was brutal. Mm. And so do you mind if I just ask a few more questions about your treatment? Yeah, ask anything. Um, so were you just on like a standard protocol? Like had they done much testing on you to see if there were any fertility specials or was it just specials, any fertility issues? <laughs> or did they just class it as like social infertility? It was social infertility at first, mm-hmm. um, which is such a disgusting term. Um, right. <sighs> Uh, and then because we did two IUYs and they didn't work and we tried at home, they were like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just a numbers game. It's just a numbers game. Um, but knowing that I had a low egg count as well, um, I wasn't sure if that would affect it. Um, yeah. Years ago I had endometriosis and I had a marina inserted and that was through the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. I was under for that and when I got scans this time, they said, oh, no, you don't have endometriosis at all anymore. So, oh. yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like, how it just went away or, um, my, like, in my gut, it's, like, telling me it's just my eggs won't work. Like, my gut is 100% sure my eggs will never work. So um, I'm feeling a bit deflated, but they just mm-hmm. keep telling me it's a numbers game. That's what they just yeah. keep reassuring me. Yeah, yeah, because my like we've had a few people on now that have endo, and I've got my best friend who also has it, and I my like my understanding was always that it's not something that will go away. Yeah, mine too. Like it's something, and like that you can't diagnose without a laparoscopy. Yeah, and that's what I had to yeah. get it diagnosed. So I don't know how they're saying I yeah. don't have it anymore. Like they haven't done one. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. With the uh, bulk billing clinic as well, um, and it might have been touched on by a previous person, but mm-hmm. um, there is only the standard minimum medications yeah. that you can take. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, like the side effects for me from even just the standard, I was so bloated. I couldn't lay on my mm-hmm. side. Um, nothing fit me at all. Like I remember I went to uh, school. I went to work one day after I might have been like, you know, midway through the needles and my pants wouldn't do up. They just, they wouldn't yeah. do up. So I had to wear my shirt like over to cover that. And then I ran up to Target um, and had to get a plain black maternity dress because everything yeah. hurt. It's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe with higher strength medication it might have helped me, but. We did choose bulk billing because we thought, oh, well, I'm not infertile. It's just a numbers game. Yeah. But here I am. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just to a summary, so you've done two IUIs and then the two rounds of IVF with no successful embryos or did you do transfer? Um, yeah, we we transferred two this year. Twice, yeah. Um, we transferred one while I was off work with my foot in a moon boot 
Um, And it didn't take. So I was Mm -hmm. just, I was at home for like, I think I was at home for two months and I wasn't able to walk. And then that hit me as well. And it was just like the lowest point of my life. I just was like, I'm grieving another loss and I can't, I can't even get up and shower. I can't do anything. It was just impossible. So do you have any embryos frozen? Um, I think, yeah, from my last egg collection. So I went for egg collection um, a few months ago and mm-hmm. uh, the first scan, you know, they're just seeing how, how it's all looking. And I just remember her mm-hmm. face just kind of like dropping and not, you could tell she didn't have good news but didn't know how to, how to deliver it. And, you know, by this stage I've been through that many scans, I could bloody work the machine myself. So <laughs> I was just looking at her like, oh, um, you know, it's it's okay. Like, And I, I, I could feel the tears coming up and I didn't even know. Yeah. And she said, oh, you've just, you've got, I think it was like two or three follicles. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so that's not good. Um, and then she said, oh, we'll just get you in for another scan. So I had another scan and they'd grown a little bit, I think to four or five. And I had, I think three, three eggs or something. So I think I've got two, two embryos on freeze at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It just, she just said, you know, we would have been expecting a lot more given your age, um, Mm -hmm. medication and stuff. So. I don't know, I'm yeah. just super unlucky. Yeah. So was that a new donor sperm as well? Yeah, sorry. So we had to yeah. pick a third donor mm-hmm. um, and this was our second unknown donor. So we had to go through the whole process again because yeah. our original one, there, um, he had we received confirmation that he had retired from donating. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, young American boy um so then we, <laughs> I shouldn't say boy that's so creepy um and then we had <laughs> another anonymous um American donor mm-hmm. um yeah so we picked someone that had the same qualities as Chris uh characteristics mm-hmm. and physical appearance mm-hmm. um because obviously using my eggs yeah on yours and Chris's relationships and also your friendship, like how has IVF impacted those? This is a whole podcast itself. Um, yeah. I really wasn't prepared for for the the tears, the obsession, the almighty just oh it was just so much it just it controlled every single part of me I Mm -hmm. went part-time at work so I'm four days a week um because my mental health has suffered dramatically um it's the resentment that you don't know how I feel I'm exhausted add COVID I've been going to every single appointment by myself um, Chris has had a few surgeries this year, so it's been like I I have to get a friend to drive me as well. I couldn't even drive myself. And then Chris was off work, so he, they couldn't come to appointments and then wasn't allowed in because of COVID. 
Um, with my friends, it's, it's, I don't know, none of my, well, I do have a lot of friends that have been through IVF, but my closest friends haven't had a baby or haven't tried to have a baby or haven't gone through IVF. So, um, whilst they are extremely, extremely supportive and respectful and loving, they don't get it. Um, and then the guilt of me spitting at them, all my tears and emotions and anger and bitterness, like they, they don't understand. So then the guilt of that just consumes me and I think, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have just messaged that or I'm such, I'm raging or I'm bringing up IVF again for the hundredth time this week. And it's just, yeah, it's been a lot. And it, and it made me realise how much more I needed to communicate communicate with Chris you know what does Chris need what do I need um because I'm a really touchy-feely person if I'm crying I need to be hugged um if Chris is angry or upset they need to be left completely alone like that's how they work so being complete opposites I had to tell Chris like and really just outline it like I need you to hold me when I tell you we've lost an embryo and yeah but Chris being the complete opposite was like, I, you know, even though we've been together nearly six years, I still process it things differently. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been really challenging. It's It's been honestly our hardest year as a couple um, because of this, because when I'm not talking about IVF, I was on podcasts listening to them. Uh, yeah. I would follow every account on social media. I would mm-hmm. be talking about it to friends, like, everything my whole my work everything revolved around it mm-hmm. and I talk a lot on my social media about mental health and body positivity and all this other shit so to me it was just me being honest and raw and telling people you know this is my life and this is what's happening to help others um yeah. and Chris had to chat to me and say you know I love that you do that and um I think it's great that you want to help people but I do think you need to slow down a bit because when you've, you know, moved past one step and you're feeling better, someone might comment and bring you back to mm-hmm. that space and you're feeling low again, um, you know, and then everyone's asking for updates and it's just too much on you. So then I had to detach and say, that, like, social media, nah, I'm not talking about it. Unless I start the conversation, please don't ask me either. And that was really yeah. hard. I felt really like I was not not like I was letting the people down, but just I wasn't being authentic to myself mm-hmm. by just being super open. But it has helped putting those measures in place to stop doing that. And then I've told my friends, um, you know, if I start talking about IVF, please tell me to stop. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, oh, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely sure. You need to cut me off because it's so unhealthy and I'm completely consumed and I need to be stopped. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to sort of have those boundaries, not only with other people, but yourself, I suppose. Oh, awful. When it comes to treatment and. Because it is so consuming. You've got appointments, um, mm-hmm. the two week wait, like, there's just so much that consumes you and unless you have been in it you really can't appreciate how fucked it is yeah 
Yeah, it's an entirely different mental load of things yeah. and stuff and emotions and, yeah, a lot to think about, especially if you are working and you have other things going on. It's hard to balance. Yeah, like we're starting to build a house next year, mm-hmm. um, but I'm actually really grateful for it because now we're going to have a break from IVF and not go start again until once we're in the house that we've built so um yeah I'm I'm focusing all my attention on the house now and I just feel like I can actually breathe again for the first time in like three years yeah I feel like there's not this weight on my chest that is pressure to eat right or get a lot of sleep or take my vitamins or go to that appointment or obsess over my egg count or compare it to others like I am Jossie I'm not Jossie going through IVF like I'm just me now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah it sounds like you were quite open with your social media and um friends and things were your family aware of when you were going through treatment as well yeah absolutely I told friggin everyone um because it's just who I am like I just think nothing should be off limits like Mm -hmm. um there shouldn't be any um things that what's that like stigma there shouldn't be a stigma around Mm -hmm. IVF like for for heterosexual couples or not like if you need you need it like it doesn't matter it doesn't make you less masculine or less womanly if you need it and that's Mm -hmm. something I had to remind myself as well because you feel like your body's failed you as a woman and that's yeah. really tough again. That's another thing. Yeah. There's it's so many layers, isn't it? And oh. Different... <laughs> <laughs> and like, um, yeah, so, anyone else who hasn't been through it, you have no yeah. idea. <laughs> so please yeah. don't yeah. give your advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes too, like if you do have that sort of outgoing personality and are that type of person, I know for myself, I felt that I had to share because I felt that I was a little bit stronger than other people going Mm. through it yeah and it was like well I would rather me share it and break down those taboos and those stigmas and take those dreadful comments and call people out on it 100% I agree with you too yeah then you're opening yourself up to those emotions and you're not always that strong person when you're going through treatment yeah that's right it it does bring like you are your most vulnerable state and that's mm-hmm. when you're being so open it's it's yeah it's, it's a double-edged sword really definitely um so with that openness and those comments and things was there any sort of bad advice that you received and anything you can offer to people who have friends or family going through IVF on what they should be saying or how they can support someone going through IVF or any type of fertility treatment Um, I think that, um, like in regards to advice, if you know your friends or family or anyone is in a queer couple or a same-sex couple, do not tell them to just relax and it will happen Mm -hmm. because it fucking can't. Honestly, the amount of times I've been told this Mm -hmm. blows my fucking mind. Like, I think we need to go back and just do a whole birds and the bees fucking talk um, yeah. because I, I do not understand where people get that from. And the don't stress, you know, you shouldn't be stressed. Stress is the worst thing. 
yes, you're a fucking genius. I know that. Yeah. But like how? (laughs) Don't just tell me. It's like that whole, just go on a holiday. And it's like, well, we don't have everything we need to start with. And if we go on a holiday, we're just going to be in another place thinking about the same thing. But also, yeah, and it's money. Like, yep. Yeah. I can't go on a holiday because I just spent three grand on sperm. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. however much on a cycle. Like it's just not real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it some people just cannot relax and fall pregnant. Straight couples cannot just stop stressing. Or mm-hmm. the fucking classic. My a friend of a friend of mine went on a holiday and got fucking pregnant. <laughs> wow like that's fucking groundbreaking i've never heard that before fuck Mm -hmm. off like if you want to fucking help someone going through the treatment ask if they need a hand like ask them if that you you can go with them to an appointment to give them actual Mm -hmm. support learn about ivf get a fucking idea of what that person is emotionally going through offer to take them out to a movie or to to lunch or I don't know just like not even anything that costs anything just spend time with them that's away Mm -hmm. from the house and just give them some love and support and listen to them without fucking putting your ideas down their throat like oh yeah yeah that's really good advice I think yeah distract and distract and love on someone it's really yeah and just really something that yeah just be there just yeah the fucking advice. Oh my god. <laughs> if you could uh, go back and talk to yourself now when you were starting fertility treatment, is there anything you would tell yourself? Number one, take the fucking Valium. <laughs> take it every motherfucking day. It's okay. <laughs> it's not going to damage you or the embryo. Take the fucking Valium. It's mm-hmm. much better. And my GP, who is just a fucking godsend, I remember he said to me, you will never fall pregnant whilst your moods are so up and down, um, having bipolar. And as much as I hate that statement, I agree with it because I know myself. Um, So he said, take the Valium. That was his advice. Just take it when you need it. You've got to keep your body just at a really nice calm level but he didn't tell me it in like a really patronizing way he was like you've got to stay calm but then he gave me a solution as well take the valium like can't stress that enough but also book your appointments with your psychologist in advance so if you've got an appointment with your IVF clinic see if you can see a psychologist a few days or a week after so you can those appointments there you can always cancel them but always try to make things in advance so you're not going to miss out you're better off cancelling than calling as a complete mess like I did and not being able to get through to anyone yeah yeah so having that safety net in place oh absolutely um is there anything else that you wanted to cover in our chat before I go on to some questions no no I think that's I rambled enough (laughs) <laughs> it's been really good um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, if we could go back to so you used an egg donor mm-hmm. 
Yeah, was that a known, that was a known donor, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a known donor. Yeah, and was that through a private clinic then as well? Um, That was through the bulk billing clinic that we could okay. do that. Okay. So, yep. Um, yep. Because they knew that my egg count was low, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we could use an egg donor there. We've also yep. been offered, so many people have offered to be egg donors for us um, mm-hmm. because the first one we used didn't work and I've had two very very close friends offer to be surrogates for us as well which is absolutely incredible yeah definitely um is that something you would be open to in the future or yeah definitely like if if for some reason I cannot carry absolutely like that's obviously it's my dream to carry my child but I really don't care like at the end of the day, it's my child regardless of who carries it um, So, or whose eggs they are or anything. Um, I just, you know, we just want a baby. We want to start our family. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've been really open in our chat so far about your mental health. Is there anything that you would suggest to people that do think that maybe they are struggling in that aspect of what to do in terms of, getting that support and looking after themselves? Yeah. um, A lot of people don't realise that GPs are general practitioners and by that I mean they aren't specialists in mental health. Um, Fortunately enough for me, I have spent a very long time um, looking into this and I have found my GP who does specialise in mental health. Um, So... My highest recommendation for that is, yeah, not not going to the GP that you go to when you've got a fucking ear infection. Like, research a, a GP that specialises in mental health, um, a psychiatrist if you need one, because in my opinion, a GP shouldn't be, unless they're a specialist, of course, they should not be handing out any mental health medication at all. They are not qualified. They cannot just they hand out antidepressants like they fucking hand out Skittles. Um, and I, I'm disgusted by it because there's so many people who are um, diagnosed with depression when they don't have that at all. I was diagnosed with depression for years and I kept saying I don't have depression. I don't have it. I know my body and I don't have that. I think I have bipolar. And no one would listen to me. And I spent about five years. Um, and I even went to the medical ombudsman to push my point because no one was listening. So if you feel like something is wrong, keep fucking going. Keep going and see someone who will listen to you and respect you. Um, there's so many GPs that will just instantly dismiss you or just hand out candy medication. Thank you for joining us today, Josie. It's been really wonderful to chat to Thank you. Thank you so much, Tiff. I've had the best time just being able to blur all of my notes in my phone of my thoughts that I've had during this whole mm-hmm. journey. And and I, as long as it helps like one person, I would be so chuffed. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story, we will pop the link in the show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes, it lands straight into your listen now. If you could also leave us a review for the show, that would be so appreciated. No words are needed, just stars. If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Vlad Gilushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.